You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in Fearless Soldiers, it's David Reed, one of the producers here at Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Jason out of town this weekend. You may have actually caught him on Friday filling in for Glenn Beck. He's spending some time at the Dallas Blaze TV headquarters. He will be back with us on Monday for a full week of Fearless. It was a short week coming off Labor Day weekend, but that did not stop Jason's fire. Got it all started on Wednesday when Dawn Staley once again caught his ire. You remember when Dawn and her South Carolina Gamecocks decided to cancel the series with BYU following the alleged racist incident with Duke volleyball player Rachel Richardson. We'll have more on that a little bit later. But Jason argues it's actually another team that she should have canceled besides BYU. I wonder if Dawn Staley, the queen of women's college basketball, has heard the story of Elijah Fletcher. Cleotha Abstam, a career criminal, stalked, kidnapped, and murdered the 34-year-old schoolteacher on Friday. Fletcher, a mother and wife, was out on an early morning jog in her hometown of Memphis, one of the most dangerous cities in America. According to statistics, you have a 1 in 12 chance of being a victim of violent or property crime while living in Memphis. I wonder if Don Staley knows any of this. The South Carolina women's coach recently canceled the Gamecocks home and home series against Brigham Young University because a Duke volleyball player, Rachel Richardson, claimed BYU fans taunted her with racial slurs. Staley said, quote, I just wanted to make sure our players didn't have to endure that because if something happened of that manner, I don't have the words to comfort them. Really? BYU was scheduled to play at South Carolina on November 7th. Next year, the Gamecocks were supposed to play at BYU. There's been no definitive evidence presented that the BYU crowd taunted Richardson or her teammates. The allegations first surfaced when Richardson's godmother, Lessa Pamplin, a political candidate in Texas, tweeted that Richardson was racially harassed throughout the entirety of a televised volleyball match. Pamplin has a documented history of making anti-white racial remarks and promoting racial hoaxes. BYU has a long history of hosting sporting events on its campus. The school's basketball teams have a long history of employing black players and assistant coaches. BYU is known for its homogeneous white campus. It doesn't have a reputation for using racial slurs at sporting events. Today, a group of state politicians in South Carolina, the South Carolina Freedom Caucus, wrote a letter to Staley and Athletics Director Ray Tanner demanding the school explain its hasty decision-making, writing, quote, why did the University of South Carolina cancel the series against BYU when no supporting evidence existed to warrant such action? 
Will the University of South Carolina reschedule with BYU and issue a public apology if the allegations continue to be shown as false? Is it now the policy of the university to forego, or more concerning, ignore any fact-finding missions into allegations of wrongdoing? Will the university be canceling all sporting events whenever any fan of any university against which the Gamecocks have in an upcoming game is accused of acting inappropriately? Is the University of South Carolina now taking responsibility for all of its fans regardless of any relationship with the university? What is the policy of the University of South Carolina for canceling games in which allegations of wrongdoing by a future opposing school's fans are made? And finally, will the University of South Carolina decline any games with Duke University given the verifiable racially insensitive tweets by a member of Duke's fan base, Miss Pamplin? The Freedom Caucus then made a series of freedom of information requests seeking a paper trail to back up the decision to cancel the games. The Freedom Caucus has basically put Don Staley in South Carolina on notice that they want them to explain themselves and the irrational decision that just got made. Don Staley just flipped out because she's an emotional wreck and because she's privileged and pampered. South Carolina is the first school to counsel a home game out of fear that the visiting team's fans would racially taunt their opponent. I guess Staley canceled the series out of fear of what might happen next year. Her players could be taunted. The truth is, Staley canceled South Carolina's series with BYU to embarrass the Mormon institution and elevate her own profile. It was not a well thought out decision. It was emotional and manipulative. Staley should do the same to Memphis. There's actual proof that the city of Memphis is unsafe for young black people and people in general. The city's murder rate rivals Chicago's and St. Louis's. Last year, the mid-sized city recorded 346 murders. For the first time in three decades, on December 3rd, South Carolina will play Memphis. It's a home and home series. Next year, the Gamecocks will travel to, you guessed it, Memphis. Where will Staley's Gamecocks face more danger? Provo, Utah or Memphis, Tennessee? Based on the stats and reputation, Staley and the Gamecocks should bring extra security to Memphis. There's plenty of evidence that Memphis is quite dangerous for all people, but particularly black people. The tragedy that befell Elijah Fletcher is just the latest example. Fletcher's white, but it's very dangerous there. A year ago, the rap world and corporate media celebrated the murder of young Dolph, the Nipsey Hussle of the South. The rappers say Memphis, M-E-M-F-P-H-I-S, stands for making easy money, pimping hoes in style. That's Memphis's reputation. Don Staley is comfortable taking a group of young women to Memphis, but not Provo. Staley is a hypocrite. Her hypocrisy is supported by corporate media. In 2018, the Missouri Tigers played at South Carolina. There was an on-court fight that appeared to be instigated by Staley's players. Sierra Michaelis, a former Mizzou basketball player, attended the game. She tweeted that South Carolina fans spit on Missouri players after the game. 
Missouri's athletics director, Jim Sturt, complained that Tigers players were called the N-word and spit on. He blamed Don Staley. Here's a quote. We had players spit on and called the N-word and things like that, Sturk said in 2018. I mean, it was not a good environment and unfortunately, I think Coach Staley promoted that kind of atmosphere. And it's unfortunate that she felt she had to do that. Staley dismissed the allegations as serious and false. Take a listen. The accusations um, are serious and false and they will be handled in a manner reflective of of those facts and that's all I'm going that's all I'm going to say about it. You got a question? We'll take questions. And so that was that. That was the end of it. No one refused to play South Carolina. Stephen A. Smith never discussed the alleged racism bubbling within Staley's program and fan base. No one that I'm aware of has called out Staley for this blatant hypocrisy. When her fan base was accused of being out of control, she claimed her fans are the greatest in the world. Saying, quote, our fans are great. They're loyal. They're passionate. They understand basketball. They understand how to act in the stands. I stand by our fans. I stand by what they represent. I stand by how they cheer. I stand by every single thing they bring to the building because it's appropriate and well within the rules of the game. You go, girl. Yas queen. That's black elite privilege. Staley gets to defend her fan base. The BYU athletics director, Tom Homo, apologized before anyone even had a chance to investigate the legitimacy of Rachel Richardson's claims. This is idolatry. Based on skin color, Staley and her fans are above sin, and BYU is covered in sin. Provo, Utah is a place too dangerous for black women's basketball players. Meanwhile, Memphis is heaven on earth. Don Staley is committed to cleaning up Utah and ignoring Memphis. 1% of Utah is black. 64% of Memphis is black. Don Staley cares about Don Staley. She uses race to benefit her bank account. Thursday, Memphis. Once again, the topic of discussion because the day prior, a 19-year-old repeat offender was driving around Memphis live streaming his shooting spree on Facebook. It left several people dead, even more injured. How do we get to a point where someone drives around live streaming, killing people? That's where we are in Memphis. Jason explores how we got there in his fire starter. When trying to make sense of the criminal violence ravaging Memphis, it's important to recognize that culture kills not color. The fixation on color stands in the way of addressing the cultural rot that has turned the home of the blues into Satan's house of horror. Memphis is America's most dangerous city. Each day brings new news of the chaos and anarchy terrorizing the birthplace of rock and roll. Wednesday, a teenage black boy streamed on Facebook Live his day-long shooting spree. Ezekiel Kelly's murderous rampage caused Memphis residents to shelter in place as law enforcement hunted the deranged 19-year-old. Shooting out the window of two separate moving cars, Kelly killed four people and wounded three others in a joy ride that started at 1 a.m. and ended in the early evening with his arrest. 
Kelly is just the latest Memphis killer to make national news. A week ago, Cleotha Abston, a 38-year-old black man, abducted, raped, and murdered a school teacher out on an early morning jog. In mid-July, a trio of Latino boys aged 15 to 20 murdered a 52-year-old female pastor during a carjacking. In mid-August, 32-year-old Tiffany Wright, a black woman, shot and killed a 60-year-old political activist in a dispute over money. The recent high-profile spate of violence will make Memphis a national talking point. Memphis is the new Chicago, the new Baltimore, the new Philadelphia, the new Compton, the new name the major city plagued by violent crime. The conversation will be justifiably framed as a black problem or a problem for people of color. Justifiable is not the same as accurate. Culture kills, not color. Black people have embraced a culture of death. Virtually every day on social media, someone accuses me of unfairly criticizing black people. I allegedly hate myself and other black people because I constantly criticize black influencers who advocate for black people by policing the behavior and culture of white people. Yesterday, after publishing my column about why South Carolina basketball coach Don Staley should fear Memphis far more than Provo, Utah, a man purporting to be a Christian minister complained that I was anti the black agenda. Staley canceled South Carolina's games against Brigham Young University because a BYU fan allegedly yelled a racial slur at a Duke volleyball player. I argued that Staley's players would be far more in danger in Memphis in 2023 than in Provo, Utah at any time. I don't hate myself or black people. I hate the culture black people have embraced. I'm critical of the high-profile advocates of the progressive, secular, hedonistic, and materialistic culture that currently defines black culture. They have a worldview that directly opposes my biblical worldview. They believe the highest form of humanity is victimhood. I reject that. With Jesus on my side, I cannot fail. My ultimate victory is assured. They believe that white people control the destiny of black people. I reject that too. They believe in the attainment of financial wealth by any means necessary. I don't. They believe the improvement of white people improves black people. I believe my improvement improves me. I could go on and on. Bottom line, the culture is, satan is satanic. Its wicked intent and manifestation can be most easily seen in commercial hip-hop music. Memphis's importance to the culture elevated a year ago when a relatively unknown rapper, Young Dolph, was murdered. Corporate media and the other satanic co-conspirators uh, co all pretended that Young Dolph was Young Elvis Presley. Young Dolph was nothing more than a local Memphis rapper who promoted a satanic worldview. His successor is his cousin, Jay Fizzle, a 28-year-old deadbeat with more than 20 kids. Fizzle recently sat down for an interview with at least 15 of his baby mamas. He wants to do a TV show about his kids and their mothers. Take a look for yourself.
whole time, man. Hey, man, you know we're going now, man. Big paper out being here. Yes, sir, man. Welcome back, bro. And man, what did you bring with you today? See, be dumb. Got it. This is the first for the porch, man. You know. You know. Now we're doing big. Yeah. One on one. Gots to, man. You know, you people bring that whole crew. You brought the baddies out for them. Yeah, too. man. I, I like hanging out with female, you know. <laughs> nah, I f with it, man. Hey, man. Hey, hey somebody tell you they got them 30 kids, man. I think me and him need to do a show together. You feel me? Like, hit 30, my 22. You feel me? That's 52. Me if you want to understand what's the matter with Memphis, Watch the entire Jay Fizzle interview on YouTube. If you want to understand why I called the culture satanic, watch the entire Jay Fizzle interview. Baby Mama Culture produces 19-year-olds who live stream their killing sprees. The destruction of family destroys all morals, norms, and order. Culture kills, not color. I will never apologize for hating the culture that celebrates, tolerates, and proliferates a mindset that teaches black people to see themselves as victims dependent on white guilt and criminals. Our fixation on color prevents us from examining the culture we've adopted or been assigned. Last week, the Tennessee Titans announced a partnership with the Memphis rap group 3-6 Mafia. The NFL franchise hired DJ Paul and Juicy J to write a theme song for the organization. This is an example of the NFL being inclusive and reaching out to the black community. Take a look. We gonna keep returning or whatever. They always play like a, some turned up music, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking, because that's something that really the crowd's really getting into, because they're like, shoot, it's about to, you know what I'm saying, the game about to pop off, so. Yeah. We running who, who, like you said, who, like who, 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 like that, like somebody like that. Like you said, if you got that who, who, boom. So then yeah. the crowd know, like, bro, it's time to turn up. Who running? Who running? Who running? Who running? <laughs> I like that. I mean, I think that's something to be dope. Yeah, dope. Yep. I think that'd be real fire. Three Six Mafia is a clever way of saying 666, the number that signifies the devil, the Antichrist. Is taken from the book of Revelations, chapter 13, verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of, of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six, a hundred three score, and six. The evil is hiding in plain sight. Look at the NFL's choice in Super Bowl halftime entertainment last year. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Eminem. The most powerful force in popular culture, the NFL, which is the number one TV show on five different TV networks, the NFL believes the best way to show affection towards black people is by embracing a musical genre that celebrates a satanic worldview. The culture is killing us. It's not white people or black people killing us. It's the culture we've chosen to embrace. I'm going to continue to objecting to this culture. I'm going to continue criticizing the black and white people who promote this death culture. If that makes me a sellout. Consider me bought and sold.
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Wrapping up the week on Friday, BYU issued a statement following their investigation into Rachel Richardson's allegations of racial slurs being thrown her way during a Duke and BYU volleyball game in Provo last month. Their conclusion was... It actually never really happened. No evidence to corroborate her story. Here's Jason and TJ with their translation of what statements from both BYU and Duke actually mean. The latest developments as it relates to BYU, Duke volleyball, and South Carolina basketball. That's quite the trifecta. BYU volleyball... Duke Volleyball, South Carolina Basketball. You guys know we've talked about on this show the Rachel Richardson, the Duke Volleyball player, accuses BYU students of racial taunts, and her godmother gets us. She's called the N-word the entire game, and Stephen A. Smith hopped on ESPN and took a dump on her, and then the next thing you know, uh, Don Staley at South Carolina, we ain't playing basketball against Brigham Young because we support Rachel Richardson, and what happened to her at that volleyball match was an atrocity. BYU uh, throws itself on on you know on the cross and or takes the blame, falls on its sword, and says, "Oh man, our kids messed up, and we're suspending a kid and." They do all this immediately within the first 24 hours. They just want the thing to go away. Don Staley doesn't want the thing to go away, the South Carolina basketball coach. And she starts bullying Brigham Young and smearing Brigham Young. And so guess what happened today? BYU put out a statement uh, arguing what they found in their investigation uh, was basically nothing happened. And so I'm going to read a big excerpt from uh, BYU's statement. Uh, as, as so I'm starting with BYU, not with Nita King. Uh, as part of our commitment to take any claims of racism seriously, BYU has completed its investigation into the allegation that racial heckling and slurs took place at Duke versus BYU's women's volleyball match on August 26th. We reviewed all available video and audio recordings, including security footage and raw footage from all camera angles taken by BYU TV of the match with broadcasting audio removed to ensure that the noise from the stands could be heard more clearly. We also reached out to more than 50 individuals who attended the event, colon, Duke Athletic Department personnel and student-athletes, BYU Athletic Department personnel and student-athletes, event security and management, and fans who were in the arena that evening, including many of the fans in the on-court student section. So let's be clear. We also reached out to more than 50 individuals who attended the event. 
So they're talking about who they reached out to. And we got to be clear with the words here. Reached out to doesn't mean interview. It means they reached out to more than 50 individuals. Let's be clear about that. The statement then goes on to continue. Uh, From our extensive review, we have not found any evidence to corroborate the allegation that fans engaged in racial heckling or uttered racial slurs at the event. As we stated earlier, we would not tolerate any conduct that would make a student athlete feel unsafe. That is the reason for our immediate response and our thorough investigation. As a result of our investigation, we have lifted the ban on the fan who was identified as having uttered racial slurs during the match. We have not found any evidence that that individual engaged in such activity. BYU sincerely apologizes to that fan for any hardship the ban has caused. Our fight is against racism, not against any individual or any institution. Each person impacted has strong feelings and experiences, which we honor and we encourage others to show similar civility and respect. I want to be clear about this. Let's let's go over these words. Uh, Our fight is against racism, not against any individual or any institution. What this, we're not mad at Rachel Richardson. We're not going at Rachel Richardson, Duke University, or South Carolina. We're not going at any of them. That's what that says. Each person impacted has strong feelings and experiences. That's a statement about Rachel Richardson. She may be off in la-la land and feels like she heard this and experienced this. That's her problem, not BYU's. Don Staley. She may have her strong feelings and experiences. That's her problem, not BYU. We honor those crazy people is basically what they're saying. (laughs) We encourage other people to honor those crazy people and those people obsessed with race and those racial idolaters, those people not grounded in any kind of biblical worldview of faith. We honor them, and we're going to try to be an example to them to show them how people who believe in God, uh, believe in Jesus— We're going to try to demonstrate to them how they should act as opposed to how they're acting. That's my translation of what they're saying there. Then they say, we remain committed to rooting out racism wherever it is found. We hope we can all join together in that important fight. So that's BYU. We're going to take the high road here. We're going to actually do what Duke should have done, what South Carolina should have done, what Rachel Richardson, what what her godmother should have done, what what her father should have done. Do some investigating before you just come out and smear a group of people. Treat people the way you would want to be treated. If someone made an allegation about me, if someone came into this room right now and said, I saw Jason Whitlock at McDonald's last night and he ordered two double cheeseburgers, a filet of fish sandwich, And a large order of fries. I, knowing my history, I would take a step back and say, hold on. That sounds like some stuff I would do. Did I do that? And then I would do an investigation. I'd look around my hotel room and say, I don't see any McDonald's bags here. Then I would probably go take a poop and I'd look in the toilet and say, no, I don't see nothing looks like a filet of fish sandwich in there. And then I would search my memory and say, you know what? I didn't go to McDonald's because I haven't been to McDonald's since August 17th, 2021. 
That's the last time I was at McDonald's. I would do a thorough investigation. I would. That's what BYU did. BYU, this is why I defend BYU, them falling on their sword, because what they're saying, what BYU was saying, and again, at the time I didn't like how Tom Holmo, the athletic director, fell on his sword and took the blame for everything, but it is my approach as it relates to sin. Whenever someone accuses me of sin or whenever I see someone else commit a sin, I honestly do say, whew, but for the grace of God, there go I. I could do that. I could go to McDonald's and order two double cheeseburgers and a filet of fish and a large order of fries. I've made that mistake before I could have done it. I told someone a story this the other day about if I ran into O.J. Simpson and O.J. confessed to me about I was just really upset. I'd had a few drinks. I was mad with Nicole. And then when I saw Ron Goldman there, I snapped. And I did some things I regret, Jason. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying this to make me feel good or to make you guys think highly of me. My reaction to OJ confessing that crime would be to say, to say to OJ, man, I can see how you did that, man. I wouldn't have done it, but I can see how you did it. Because you know what? In third grade, I beat up a girl. And my parents, my mother, was very upset with me. I, there was a little girl. We were out on the playground. And I smashed her face into the ground. She's a third grader just like me. She did something to irritate me. I can't remember. I smashed her face into the ground. And it damaged her teeth. And my mother was so irate with me and 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 said, Jason, you are way too big to be fighting with any of these kids, let alone a girl. And it was a lesson to me because I was an oversized child and I had unnatural strength for a child my age. But I, I've never forgotten that lesson as a third grader. Like, you're a big boy. Don't be out here wrestling and fighting with other kids that aren't your size and certainly don't be out here wrestling and fighting with women. They can't defend themselves. And so I carried that lesson on with me, but I remember it to this day to remind myself that I'm capable of being that idiot. And yes, I'm a long time removed from being a third grader, but I am capable. So there's not a sin that I see any person commit that I can't immediately relate to myself and go, I'm capable of that. And that's the reason I do a good job of avoiding a lot of sins and a lot of mistakes that other people make because I think I'm capable of any and all of it. When I look at Duke or when I look at a, particularly at Don Staley at South Carolina and the way she reacted to what happened at BYU, instead of her sitting there and saying, whew, my fan base, we could have made that mistake because in 2018, her fan base was accused of that by the University of Missouri. And, and she, that's how she should have been looking at this situation, but she didn't because she's a racial idolater. She, she's a slave to race 
and she's a slave to herself. There are these people that think they're above sin. They think they've elevated to a place where they're above sin. I'm not one of those people. I'm not an, Jason Whitlock is not Jason Whitlock's idol. I don't want anybody to idolize me. That's why I talk about my flaws and try to tell you like, it ain't me, it's Jesus. You want to idolize somebody, you want to pattern your life after somebody, him, not me. Don't pattern your life after me. You're going to make a lot of mistakes and you're going to be too fat to fly coach for a long time. And you don't want to do that. (laughs) You don't want to be too fat to fly coach. So don't pattern your life after mine. Jesus, he didn't have my gluttony problem. So uh, I say all that to say that Duke put out a statement today as well that to me backed up uh, what the statement that uh, BYU put it out. It'll be interesting if Stephen A. Smith and the other racial idolaters, if Don Staley, if these guys have the courage that I think Duke actually displayed Hmm. with their statement. And and again, you got to read between the lines. It won't be crystal clear. But here's the very brief short statement that Duke put out, uh, Duke University Vice President, Director of Athletics, Nina King. They have Duke has a black woman. Uh, they have a woman king, athletic director. Nina King is their athletic director. Good woke school like Duke. Not surprised here that Nina King would be their athletic director. Taking no shot at her. Let me be crystal clear. I got my Ball State shirt on. We just experienced four years of the greatest athletic director in the history of our school, Beth Getz. I love Beth Getz. She's a tremendous athletic director. I don't want anybody to think I'm sexist because I'll, I'll, I'm not. Not for that reason. Yeah, not for yeah, not for that reason. Because <laughs> yeah, athletic director Beth Guest knocked it out of the park. She's going to Iowa now. She's tremendous. God bless Iowa. God bless Ball State for hiring and empowering Beth Guest. But anyway, let me go back to my point. The 18 members of the Duke University, this is a statement from Duke, the 18 members of the Duke University volleyball team are exceptionally strong women who represent themselves, their families, and Duke University with the utmost integrity. We unequivocally stand with and champion them, especially when their character is called into question. Duke Athletics believes in respect, equality, and inclusiveness, and we do not tolerate hate and bias. Hashtag hate won't live here. That statement says nothing. <laughs> it's it's several sentences of nothing. Yeah, it's a cleverly worded statement that says. Let me translate that statement for you. We agree with BYU's investigation. There's nothing here, but we're boxed in here by this 19 year old girl and her racist godmother. Uh, they boxed us in, made these allegations. In this woke society we live in, and me being the athletic director here and having to protect myself and protect the university, we can't come out and say Rachel Richardson made this stuff up. We can't come out and say that her godmother is a nasty, racist person who participates in racial hoax and, and tweets out all kinds of racist content against white people. We can't say that. So what we are going to say is 
uh, we respect the girls that play on our volleyball team. They're great. Uh, we stand with them, champion them. Uh, you know, we don't like when their characters called into question, but we can't defend this stuff. Rachel Richardson did, and so we're not going to try to. So we're going to put out a very brief, like, seventy-five word statement, and hope this whole thing goes away because this nineteen-year-old girl and her godmother made fools of us. Now, and then they'll hit the server and say, "Balls in your court, Don Staley, South Carolina." See if you guys can come out with a statement as clever as we did here. Uh, but BYU did nothing wrong. This story never made any sense. Thank you and God bless. Uh, go Blue Devil. Jason, will be back at it on Monday with a full week of fire on Fearless. We want to hear what you think. You can reach us at fearless at theblaze.com. Drop us an email there. Let you know. Let us know what you think about the show. And also, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, be sure to click on that tab and leave us a review. It really does help us in what we're trying to grow here at Fearless. We hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Oh,